I'm Shannon. I'm Emma. And welcome to This Podcast Doesn't Exist. Hello, hello, friends. We're here. We're back in the pod nook. In the nook. I do enjoy this space. It makes me happy. It feels like it was specifically like designated for this purpose, and that makes me really happy. Yeah. You agree? <laughs> well, I, mentally, I was like, what else could be in this? And I was like, a pool table. And I was like, no, you need to be able to walk around. Yeah, it's definitely not air hockey. Oh, you gotta be able. To, I was like, clearly, I don't play a lot of tabletop sports. <laughs> clearly, you have a very specific idea of what goes in a basement. Look, we didn't have a basement for a lot of That's my childhood because I was in a military apartment building. That's fair. Also, the basements that I'm a I was acquainted with when I was a kid almost always had a pool table or an air hockey table in them. Tell me, you grew up in suburbia without telling right? me, right? Like, that, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, that is what goes in the basement. And if someone was really <laughs> fancy, they had a pinball machine. <gasps> Ooh, that would have been fun. Yeah, it was a good time. That would have been so much fun. My my dad would have, like, probably been like, can we go to your friend's house <laughs> so he could play the pinball machine? Amazing. <laughs> I just had a Dance Dance Revolution mat. Oh, that's Only good. reason my parents got me a PlayStation 2. Oh, that's fair. It's really hilarious because they're... <laughs> There had to be easier ways to get me off the couch, but we don't have to unpack that. No. Uh, I was trying to do a transition. It's not working. It doesn't matter. I was like, speaking of unpacking, um, uh, our website. What's our website, Emma? <laughs> this podcast doesn't exist.com. Dot com. You can go there and follow all of our socials. We're getting a lot more active on Instagram Reels. Shannon's bringing over the content from TikTok. I am pulling together some audios for our TikTok, so uh, head on over there. It's getting more active. We're putting a lot of uh, work in this year, so go and enjoy it. We're building some content for you. Please and share it, please. Yeah. With your friends. Let them all know about us. Family. It, it really does help to go and uh, subscribe and give us a review, a rating. Um, those really do help. We want to we haunt some more people. While your enemies alive. sorry your enemies oh yes i was in the middle of saying your friends your family and then you started talking so then i waited <laughs> your, enemies. your enemies share us with your enemies yes let us haunt them while all of the parties involved are alive yes i would love to haunt a ghost though that'd be fun that'd be so rude doing their job for them you would though <laughs> Your face! Oh my gosh! No, no, no! You know who already haunts ghosts? Zach, Zach Bagans. <laughs> I'm like these haunted dolls are just trying to live their best life, and this best mother Tucker just rolls up with his dumb face and his dumb attitude, it's and just, just tromps around, catcalling ghosts, just like whistling at them, trying to get them to bother. It's just annoying. I have to add Zach Bagans to the <gasps> bingo card yes, brainstorm. Yes, you do. <laughs> I will say, friends, uh, if you have things you would like to add to a hypothetical new version of the podcast, you might want to do that really soon. A hypothetical new version of the podcast bingo card? That's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, we are not I doing a new podcast. This is this is enough for me. Thank you. <laughs> I can't type and talk at the same time. And there's just a fancy new microphone in my face. I'm still not used to it. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, Ben. 
All right. Uh, any other housekeeping you'd like to attend to? Not that I can think of. Great. Now it's time for a convoluted setup. I'm excited because I have no clue what you're talking about today. She did tell me that she ended up going through a rabbit hole. Yeah, the rabbit hole just kept going and I was yep. a little surprised. So Truly, honestly though, speaking of the bingo card, it, you might want to play. Oh, you and you. Me? Okay. Wait, wait. There, there are some twists and turns. I'm excited. I feel like uh, during uh, uh, Mr. Boynton, we should have, I should have played. Because I feel like somehow I would have gotten a bingo. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Sometimes the bingo card, it, it, depending on which one you get, it really depends on like the, the vastness of the topic. And then other cards, card layouts, it really depends on how many rambles can Emma and Shannon go down. Seriously. Uh, the majority, the majority of our podcast, like episode names do not stem from <laughs> the actual content. I was so proud of myself last week. After I said that, I mentally was like, that's the name of the pod. That's the name yeah. of the episode. But I didn't want to say anything because if I said it, then it felt like I was like forcing Emma's hand. But no, you were not. It's that a was, fun little game I that, that I play. That's what would happen. Where it, I'm like, oh, what's it going to be? And then sometimes you completely surprise me. Like I log on on Friday mornings and I'm like, who said that? <laughs> when did they say <laughs> I it? I do enjoy when you text me and go, um, this week's episode name? Question mark. <laughs> Being like, what? When did what's this happen? <laughs> All right, I have my bingo card up. All right, excellent. Perfect. Here we go. We're okay. in the main part of the podcast now. And by the main part, I mean the beginning. <laughs> but not the intro part. You get it. <laughs> Emma. Yeah? We've been having snow. Yes, we have. Here. Uh, and a lot of our friends have had snow yeah. recently. Um, I'm kind of over it. Toby's parents got a lot of snow today my cousin dana she was like aunt judy she's supposed to get 16 inches up in baston and i was like no thank you i'll take our one and a half inches and ice so today's Mm -hmm. episode we're heading up north specifically the northeast also what's your favorite shape (laughs) a triangle yeah Today, we're here to discuss the mysteries of the Bennington Triangle. Yeah! Oh, I just hit the microphone. She hit the wall (laughs) and the microphone. Ow! I'm so excited! Oh, this has been on my list. You just, you took one of mine. (laughs) (laughs) Suck it! (laughs) This has been on my list for a really long time, and I just haven't had the chance to do it because I knew it was going to be a rabbit hole. I'm so excited. It's going to be so much fun. I wish I had captured a picture of your face when I asked you, (laughs) what's your favorite shape? Because it wasn't even like a thinking face. It was just like a, what? Like (laughs) blank face. I didn't know. Amazing. My jaw dropped because I was like, ah. (laughs) What a a plot twist. All right. So because it's me, Mm -hmm. here's some background. (gasps) This microphone really makes me want to live my NPR life, but that's fine. The phrase Bennington Triangle was coined by New England author and paranormal enthusiast Joseph A. Zitro during a public radio broadcast in 1992. Public radio, like NPR. Um, <laughs> you did that very well. Thanks. You're welcome. I just read a book about 
it's a romance novel. It's set at a public radio station. It's really good. Anyway, follow me on Instagram for book recs. Fun oh, time. yeah. She does. She, like, rates all of the books that she reads, too. It's, it's mostly, actually really interesting. It's mostly for myself. But well, I get a lot of my, my recommendations that way. Be my book friend. This conceptual area, the Bennington Triangle, lacks any distinct boundaries, but it is apparently centered on Glastonbury Mountain and would include some or most of the area of the towns immediately surrounding it. These include Bennington, Woodford, Shaftesbury, and Somerset. Please note that for the rest of this episode, any time a town ends with B-U-R-Y, I'm going to restrain myself from pronouncing it Shaftesbury. Because that's really what I want to do. Shaftesbury? Glastonbury? Glastonbury? The regional moniker also includes a large portion of the Green Mountain National Forest. Ooh. Glastonbury. Glastonbury? <laughs> Glastonbury and Somerset. Somerset. George Mallory. <laughs> him. Him. He's back. <laughs> Chiriama, dude. Oh, what's, up? what's up, Jeeves? Glastonbury and Somerset were both once moderately thriving logging and industrial towns, but began declining toward the late 19th century. And even when they were very busy, these towns were very small. Like it was like that a, makes sense. Like a peak population of like. 341, maybe. I might Whoa. be making that up. I didn't write it down. Classic me. That's tiny, though. Right. Um, both are now essentially ghost towns, unincorporated by an act of the Virginia General Assembly in 1937. The population of Glastonbury dwindled down to almost nothing, which later got the attention of Ripley's Believe It or <gasps> Not in the 1930s when they learned that all three members of the Madison family were the entire town and held every office. <laughs> That's hilarious, though. You're like the only three people there. You're like, of course we're in charge. <laughs> I'm running for the mayor. I was going to run for mayor. Well, how about you run next year? All right, fine. Fine. <laughs> However long mayoral terms are, I don't really know. Yeah, and the way the article kind of phrased it, it kind of made it seem like Ripley's Believe It or Not noticing that also made the Ver Vermont General Assembly notice and be like, oh, uh, unincorporated, you're not a real town anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's really, they, they somehow convinced everyone else in Vermont that it was like, like, oh, whatever, <laughs> we exist. But now these, these ghost towns are now considered, quote, remote even by Vermont standards. Lol. <laughs> Okay, but why would Citro need to devise a name for a woody region that was once home to some logging towns? You may be wondering. I am. Citro christened the region as a possibly supernatural hotspot mm. responsible for the unexplained disappearances of five people in the short time period between 1945 and 1950. My favorite. But also so infuriating. You're oh, going to hate absolutely it. infuriating. I know. So I know a little bit about this. I don't know the specifics. But I, I heard about this bit. on TikTok. Oh. And I forgot to write down the person's name in my notes, but I will like share it we, yeah, on. Like we always do. Probably maybe me Monday. We'll see. It, I'll share it if I can. All right, so we're going to get into the disappearances. <laughs> the Triangle's first recorded victim was a 74-year-old hunter named Mitty Rivers. Oh. Please note that when I first read this, my brain assumed that Mitty was a woman's name, 
So please just imagine all the rest of this as some really awesome kick butt granny. Okay. Because apparently Mitty Rivers was a guy, but I heard Mitty and I was like, oh, a lady. She's a grandma. A lady. Rivers disappeared on November 12th, 1945, while guiding a group of four hunters through the mountains around the area of Hell Hollow in the southwest woods of Glastonbury. Side note, can we stop naming things Hell Hollow? Or you're Devil's, just, Devil's Hole, you're which is a You're just asking yeah. for danger. You're just calling them there. On the way back from their excursion, Rivers got ahead of the group. And was never seen again. This fascinates me. The fact that there were other people there. And it's literally that you turn a corner around a tree and disappear. I think he was a little further ahead of them. But, but still. I mean, base, the, the basics of it, almost. Well, and also they weren't really that concerned. Because Rivers was an experienced hunter and hike, like hiking Hiker, guide. Yeah. Also, his last name is Rivers. How right? appropriate. Like how great. An extensive eight-day search was conducted, but the only evidence found was a single rifle cartridge that was discovered in a stream. The speculation was that Rivers had leaned over and the cartridge had dropped out of his pocket and into the water. The disappearance had occurred in the Long Trail Road area and near Vermont Route 9. Rivers was both an experienced hunter and fisherman, so he was familiar with the local area, making it very odd and even suspicious for him to disappear with almost no trace. No speculation was provided as to any motive. Yeah, Both but, in the yeah. sense of, like, there wasn't anyone that would have wanted to cause him harm, at least that we know of, or for him to up and disappear. Yeah. It is interesting to me that they found a cartridge and assumed it was his unless it like had his initials in it or something i don't Do you know what i mean or maybe it was a particular brand yeah, that they were using specific. with their hunting party or something yeah so i don't know that just because my and you can if you're gonna go into this please stop me but um the only thing i can think of is like an underground trap situation we'll get to the theories okay I, I will wait then, because that's literally the only thing I can think of. Just over a year later, on December 1st, 1946, the Triangle would claim perhaps its most famous victim, 18-year-old Paula Jean Weldon. Paula Weldon was the eldest of four daughters of the well-known industrial engineer, architect, and designer William Archibald Weldon. My father, the inventor of Toaster Strudel. <laughs> he was, Archibald, the he, inventor of Toaster Strudel. He was not the inventor of Toaster Strudel. However, her father was the, quote, designer of many familiar household utensils, as well as stylish cocktail shakers and other objects, unquote. That's kind of cool. It's, it's like mundane in like a cool way. I feel like it's the, it's the 1940s equivalent of being like, oh yeah, my dad invented the lava lamp. <laughs> like it's not like going to change the world. No, but, but it's still like, it's, like it's cool. an artifact of, it's, like it's a legacy of some kind. It's something you can point to in somebody's basement and be like, oh my dad did that. My dad has a lava lamp in his office. Of course he does. Yeah. It's my, it, so the bone shaman has an office at his like. Uh, 
practice practice there we go that was the word i was like you were gonna be like he has an office office at his his office office. (laughs) yeah you knew exactly where my brain was um but he has an office at his practice that he technically is supposed to share with the guy that also works there part-time with him and my mom has walked in a couple of times and been like sir this is so messy why yeah i was gonna be like i can't picture that space being shared <laughs> no exactly like there there's nowhere else for this guy to sit except at my dad's desk and then my dad was like but i've set it up so nicely and he like has like a little like switch to put the lava lamp on where he like while he's still sitting so that he could like turn it on when it gets dark out he's like it's like my it's like my night lamp <laughs> A child. He is. I can't believe I he pulled teeth out of my face. Right? <laughs> the fact that the bone shaman can be both that and also, like... The, yes, and. The only reason that I learned who Lady Gaga was was because of my father. Because he listens to house music and uh, musicals. <laughs> we all contain multitudes. Truly. I love him. Um, right. sorry. No, I was like, how did we get here? Her father, the inventor of... Toaster strudel. Household utensils. By 1946, Paula Jean had made her way to Bennington College in North Bennington, Vermont, and was well into her sophomore year. I almost went there. I'm not even kidding. We toured it. Good thing you didn't. I'm really glad I didn't. As a student, she had heard of the long trail the oldest long-distance hiking trail in the U.S., but had not taken the opportunity to hike it yet. On December 1st, she tried to find other students to join her, but was unsuccessful. Some sources do list that the college was still either still on Thanksgiving break or break was starting, which I was like, that makes no sense for you to call it Thanksgiving break if it's December 1st and it's starting, right? Like, yeah, Thanksgiving is usually like the 23rd, 24th situation. It's it's like the third Thursday of November every year, right? Yeah. Yes. Correct. Do you remember when I didn't know that? (laughs) You were like, how do you know a day? And I was like, Emma. (laughs) How could you possibly know what day Thanksgiving is every single year? No, it was like what week it was. I was like, Emma, it's always the third Thursday. (laughs) And you were like, what? What? I thought it was like Christmas. I thought it was like the 23rd. (laughs) I was like, no, sweetheart. Sometimes it can be the 23rd. Sometimes. But not every time. It's not like Easter. Easter, I feel like, fluctuates a lot more. Yeah, because it goes by like whatever the... The liturgical calendar. Yeah. So, but there were fewer students around, so I, I'm choosing to believe that maybe some people were still on Thanksgiving break. That would make sense, especially if it's December 1st. If, yeah. Like, you know, like, you remember a couple years ago when it was, like, Thanksgiving and then immediately Christmas? Do you remember that? No? It was, like, the last week of uh, November was Thanksgiving. No. Really? Emma, it's always the third Thursday. <laughs> we just went over this. Yeah, but it, like, Are you smelling toast? Are you having a stroke right now? <laughs> no, but it was like the, the November 1st was like on a Sunday or something. And so like the third week, the third Thursday of, thank, of Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm done with this. I'm done talking. I'm done talking. I'm done talking. Short, I'm done talking. The short answer is... No. You don't remember? <laughs> I don't remember whatever you're I mean, talking it, about. 
for some reason, Thanksgiving just doesn't stick in my brain, even though it's like one of my favorite holidays. But I'm going to do a quick side note of when I was in grad school, I brought a calendar into the common room because we didn't have one and we had like tons of uh, events and stuff that we were doing. And I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to bring a calendar, like a dry erase calendar in here. Um, and I was setting it up and I brought it in November and I'm sitting there with one of my like uh, peers, I guess, one of my classmates. And he was like, yeah, I don't really get Thanksgiving. It's like not one of my favorite. Like I really like Christmas, but like I don't really, I don't eat meat. Like Thanksgiving's not really my thing. And I was like, oh, but I love Thanksgiving because it's like non-denominational basically. Like there's, you know, some very iffy history about it. Um, but like you can make it a lot more focused on not like the pilgrims and the Indians because that basically wasn't a thing, but like that kind of thing. So I was having this conversation with him and I'm writing out all of the dates on the dry erase one on the dry erase calendar and I wrote them all out and then I looked at my calendar on my phone and like double checked it I true after talking to him for truly 25 minutes about Thanksgiving and how important I felt like I felt it could be to some people I had forgot I literally skipped the day I went from it like I'm gonna just say it went from the 22nd to the 24th like on the calendar I just skipped the day <laughs> It was a day out of time. I just didn't do it. I just, I don't know. Thanksgiving for some reason doesn't stay in my brain. So it's just the turkey coma. The food coma puts you out lasts, every. It lasts a whole year. I guess. I. <laughs> that was insane. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Um, You want to get back to how they were all on Thanksgiving yeah, break? Yeah, they were still on break. <laughs> so maybe, supposedly, who knows. Uh, but undeterred, she, Paula, Paula Jean, uh, she resolved to hike a portion of the renowned trail on her own. Oh, that's so scary. Always bring a friend. After finishing her shift in the Bennington College dining hall, Weldon returned to her room and changed into walking clothes. Her clothing was adequate for the weather that afternoon, but not for the anticipated drop in temperature that night. Uh-oh. She packed no bag, took no extra clothing, and did not take any extra money. From all appearances, Weldon did not expect to be gone for more than a few hours. Well, I would assume so, if you're just going for a hike. But, like, that's terrifying. Don't go by yourself. Although, as we've already seen, even if you don't go by yourself, you might get lost, so... Or lost to time and space. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. She walked down the campus driveway and hitched a ride from State Route 67A near the college entrance to a point on State Route 9 near the Furnace Bridge between downtown Bennington and Woodford Hollow. None of that means anything to any of us, but there you go. I mean, if you, if you have a map of Vermont in front of you, you will be able to map this out. There you go. Local contractor Lewis Knapp picked Weldon up and drove her as far as his house on Route 9, about 2.5 miles, 4 kilometers, from the Long Trail. From this point, Weldon either hitchhiked or walked the rest of the way to the start of the trail in Woodford Hollow. Weldon approached a group of hikers that was walking down the trail as she was walking up and asked them a few questions about the trail. This group included a man named Ernest Whitman, a Bennington Banner employee who gave her directions. She continued walking in a northerly direction on the road part of the trail now known as Harbor Road. 
She was on the long trail late in the afternoon, and darkness was falling as she approached the end of Harbor Road. She may have continued into quickly darkening woods, and it was presumed that she must have continued her walk along the Bullsbrook Valley, although there are no known confirmed sightings of her past the Fay Fuller camp. She was alleged to have been seen on the trail itself by an elderly couple who were about 100 yards, 91 meters, behind her. According to them, she turned a corner in the trail, and when they reached the same corner, she had disappeared. What I want to know so badly is if she and Mitty were disappearing in the exact same spot. I don't know. I would. I, I mean, I. I don't think anyone would know. Like, unless you were, like, the per, the people who were present for each of those, like, went. Oh, this is exactly where we were. But I don't know. I want to know. I don't know. <sighs> the couple could not spot her, despite the fact that she was allegedly wearing bright red. <clears throat> when Weldon did not return to her room in the evening. Her roommate assumed that she was simply studying for exams in the campus library. When she had not returned by the next morning, however, a search of the campus began. The Bennington County State's attorney was notified, and the county sheriff was brought in to help with the search. The young woman's hike on the long trail was brought to the attention of authorities by Ernest Whitman, who recognized Weldon's photo when it ran in the paper where he worked, the Bennington Banner, in the days following her disappearance. Oh. So she had, like, asked people if they wanted to hike, but I guess she hadn't, like, specifically said, I am going on this hike. Yeah, it was probably like a, oh, hey, I'll would you... I'll be back this evening. Yeah, would you like to go and do this? Oh, no, I can't. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. I'll see you later. It, it, you right. might You just assume, oh, if she can't find anyone to go with, she's just not going to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they were looking on campus. They didn't even think to like look in the woods yeah. until it was a couple days, and her missing photo was in the paper. And then he was like, hey, "Ernie wait a was second. like, oh wait, I gave that girl directions." Yeah. There was even a five thousand dollar reward, which would be worth seventy one thousand plus today. That's a lot of money. Inflation. And then we have a little description from the mother source. Mm, Wikipedia. Quote, weeks of searching ensued. Bennington College closed for several days, and the students and faculty participated in organized searches. Hundreds of volunteers, family members, National Guard troops, students, and firefighters searched for Weldon to no avail. Ground and air searches concentrated on the long trail up as far as Glastonbury Mountain, 10 miles to the north the trail's various branches, and along Route 9 from Bennington to Brattleboro. Most of those searching assumed Paula had gotten lost in the woods. When no clues were found to her whereabouts, other theories started to be considered. Mm. Also, I read an article that pointed out that um, they were using helicopters to look for her, which was, like, really rare at the time. Nowadays, I feel like that's kind of Standard. standard, but... That was very, but also remember her father was like relatively well known and well to do. The inventor of toaster straddle. He wasn't, but. He wasn't. (laughs) Might as well have been at that point. (laughs) Theories ran from the fanciful 
such as the one that we I feel like we hear any anytime anybody disappears that she ran away to elope and start a new life. I feel like that's never the answer though. Okay, but maybe she did. Maybe she also ran to Canada and <gasps> married a Mountie. Uh, like our friend. Her and Maura Murray are just hanging out. Yeah. Well, she'd be Maura Murray's mentor. Yeah. Of like, hey, I did it. You can do it too. It's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, she totally posted about it on the message boards. Yeah, more. <laughs> more Murray was, was like, like, I want to be like you. Okay. I want to marry Mountie. More Murray, marry Mountie. <laughs> Sounds like a tongue twister. That was stupid. Sells I'll seashells by the seashore. <laughs> so the fans fall. Uh, that she ran away, started yeah. a new life. Also, yeah. it's always, it's always a young woman, right? Like I feel like, I mean, we did talk about it when Lars disappeared. Yeah. That he wanted to like run away and start a new life, but it wasn't like to he, go get married. He had a fight with his mom, so he wanted to go marry a girl. So he ran away. Yeah, it's always when it's a young woman. It's like, oh, she wasn't close with her parents, so she wanted to run away to Canada and, and marry a man, or she fell in love with him, and he he was like, we can just go away from here, be whisked away, and all that kind of thing. Whereas like, you don't hear that with when men go missing. Yeah, you're no. just like, oh, they were uh hiking and now they're gone i guess they decided they didn't want to be here anymore they must have had debt or something like that yeah. like super yeah, it's serious gambling debts <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the theories also uh range to the more unfortunate but <laughs> but mystical is what i wrote unfortunate but mystical like she injured herself and now she has amnesia and she doesn't even know who she is she doesn't even know we're looking for her and uh, but then you'd find her somewhere wouldn't you i don't maybe. know i don't know if you happen to move in with some like forest granny who didn't get the paper, like, I don't know. That's like Lars. Your granny like if, Lars if Lars doesn't know who he is. That's true. And that, that one seems plausible to me that he has no clue who he is. Yeah. But, but like, he, he's one of the most famous missing people in the world. Wherever you are, Lars, whatever your name is now, I hope you're doing okay. Yeah. Um, darker theories speculated that I ended the Wikipedia quote a while ago. Oh, you so sorry, friends. That. Yeah. Darker theory speculated that Weldon was depressed and may have committed suicide or that she might have been kidnapped and or murdered. But there was no evidence. I mean, you can't find anything about her, so. Well, investigators discovered that one of the last people to see Weldon alive was a lumberjack named Fred Gadette who lived along Harbor Road. Gadette was in the midst of an argument with his girlfriend when Weldon walked by. Gadette stormed off in a jealous rage shortly thereafter and, depending on different statements he made, went to his shack and spent the evening by himself, or he drove his truck up the travel portion of the trail in the direction that Weldon was heading. Oh no. He lied to police on several occasions and was a person of interest, both in 1946 and when the case was revisited in 1952. Mm. Reportedly, Gadette told at least two people that he knew within 100 feet where Weldon was buried, but later claimed it was just idle talk. Excuse me, sir, what? What do you mean it's idle talk? You just don't... Okay. I, I really do not like it when these kinds of people do this, where they're like, I might know something. Oh, whoops. Actually, I don't. I don't know anything. Like, are you just trying to get attention? Mm-hmm. Like, that feels like such, I guess for some people, negative attention is still attention, so they're like, it doesn't matter. But like, yeah. I don't know. It feels so... Uh. 
Anyway. <sighs> However, when no evidence was found that a crime had actually been committed, no body was ever discovered, and no forensic clues were identified, this avenue of the investigation ended. Law enforcement was greatly criticized for their handling of the case. At the time of Weldon's disappearance, there was no state police organization in Vermont. Whoa. And the state's attorney, county sheriff, and state investigator, Almo Franzoni, were responsible for finding clues. Weldon's father was particularly vocal about the lack of investigative support for his missing daughter's case. Within seven months of Weldon's disappearance, the Virginia legislature created the Vermont State Police. That's, jeez, I didn't know that. I mean, this is what, 1946? Yeah. Having state policemen were not, that was not, not unusual at this point in time. That's weird. But I guess, I mean, Vermont is pretty sparsely laid out the way that, like, towns work, so. Ah, golly. I'm glad it got fixed. (laughs) At least in some capacity. (laughs) Yeah. Paula Jean Weldon's case remains open with the VSP to this day. They have a site on their, like, the Virginia, or Virginia, Vermont Vermont. State Police website. Although Paula Jean's true fate was never discovered, her disappearance inspired a legacy of its own. In addition to, like, the state police. Yeah. Uh, Based on her notes in the Library of Congress, it's believed that author Shirley Jackson based her 1951 novel, Hang Simon, on the Weldon case. At the time of Weldon's disappearance in 1946, Jackson was living in North Bennington, where her husband was employed at Bennington College. Ooh. Oh, that's cool. So they probably helped look for her. That's super cool. If something more supernatural was to blame for the disappearances, perhaps it got spooked by all of the intense scrutiny around Paula Jean's case. The triangle would lie dormant and not claim its next victim until 1949. (laughs) On December 1st, 1949, Exactly three years after Paula Jean Weldon's disappearance. Uh, I don't like that. (laughs) A 68-year-old veteran by the name of James Tetford vanished from a bus while traveling through the triangle. He was on the bus? The oddity of Tetford's story, however, does not start there. He allegedly returned home from serving in World War II to find that his wife, Pearl, had simply disappeared from their rented home. Ruh-roh. There was no trace of her, nor were any of her things apparently missing. Uh. Because at first I was like, well, uh, she just got tired of waiting. She fell in love and ran away. <laughs> also, she was a lot younger than him. I think he, she was like 28 and he was like 56. Whoa. So I was like, maybe she just up and, but like. If not, if you didn't take any of your stuff, but unless you got a rich new husband, mm. well, I mean, but even even then, you'd you'd at least bring like I don't know. Also, first... how how did you find a man during World War Two? They were all over there. If you were exemption, yeah, if you were exempt for some reason, conscientious objector, or if you had like a if you were a he professor a, or he took a bullet to the arm in World War One. Yeah. 
I don't know, but Pearl was gone and they phrased they framed it as very like spooky and I was like, or she just wanted to leave. Anyway, uh Tedford was a resident of the Bennington Soldiers Home. He had been in St. Alban. Alban? I think St. Alban. Because <laughs> St. Albans doesn't sound correct. It doesn't sound French enough? Is that what it is? No, I just, I feel like it's like, it It was a French name that we stole. Oh, I see. To like give to a Vermont yeah. town. That's, uh, yeah. I don't know. I've never been to Vermont. I haven't either. Would they say it as St. Albans or St. Alban? I'm going to go with Alban. I like it better. It sounds nicer. Uh, but he had been in St. Alban. Visiting relatives who, accom- <laughs> who accompanied him to the lo- to a local bus, which was the last time that he was seen. According to, wi- well, seen by people who knew him, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. According to witnesses, Tedford joined 13 other passengers and was still on the bus at the stop previous to Bennington. The scheduled bus trip should have taken the better part of eight hours, but heavy snow caused a long delay. But he's on the bus. Somewhere between that last stop and Bennington, Tedford vanished. So crazy. Neither the bus driver nor any of the other passengers remember him getting off. His belongings were still in the luggage rack, and an open bus timetable was on his vacant seat. And, like, you wouldn't have any of the windows open because it's snowing and, like, mm-hmm. there's snow everywhere, so it would have been freezing. That, ah, oh, I don't like this. <laughs> it's so scary. Meanwhile, it's just him crouched underneath the bus seat being like, <laughs> Maybe, but we don't have any other information. Oh. Spring and summer, however, remained apparently safe. For hikers, guests, and residents of the Bennington Triangle. Mm. It wasn't until October 12, 1950, that another disappearance would be recorded. Eight-year-old Paul (gasps) Jepson had accompanied his mother in a truck on that fall day in Vermont. His mother left her son unattended while she fed some pigs for about an hour. When she returned... Her son was nowhere in sight. Baby. Search parties were formed to look for the child. Nothing was ever found, even though Jepson was wearing a bright red jacket. Oh, I don't like these similarities. That's terrifying. That should have made him more visible. I do not like these similarities. Apparently, local superstitions include the belief that it is bad luck to wear red while in the forest. I mean, after Paula Jean ended up, I well, I, guess. I don't, I unclear if that predates the disappearances of Paul and Paula. Oh, just saying, that's another similarity. But it's definitely true now. You won't catch me wearing red in the woods in Vermont. Nope. According to one story. Bloodhounds tracked the boy to a local highway, where, according to local legend, four years earlier, Paula Jean Weldon had disappeared. Mm. This led police to speculate that the young boy had been abducted by a motorist. And then some of the some of the sources alluded that some mean people in the community were trying to say that his parents had something to do with it 
that he had been like fed to the pigs. Oh my gosh. But I was like, you're mean. You're a gossip. Also, Go away. it doesn't seem like, I don't know. I don't, there wasn't much to, to any of that that told us about his parents, but like that shouldn't be your first thought, right? I, well, they were in charge of the town dump. And that's also where the pigs were. So I wonder if it's just some good old-fashioned classism Ugh. of, like, oh, you're, like, dirty, poor dirty people, people. And that means you're evil. Because if you're poor, that means you're a bad person. Somehow. Just pulling yourself Uns- up by your bootstraps. Unsavory. Yeah. In keeping with the eerie feeling of the Beddington Triangle, however, the boy's father told the Albany Times Union. That's a newspaper. Mm. That it was perhaps, quote, the lure of the mountains, unquote, that pulled in his missing son, as the boy had, quote, talked of nothing else for days, unquote, that's, prior to the disappearance. That's terrifying. But also it makes sense. Like, a little kid wants to go exploring. Yeah. I can easily see a little kid gets bored in the truck, decides to just walk for a little bit, let just walk up to the main road and come back, and then somebody, like, snatches him. Mm, that's so sad, though. At eight, he's a baby. Yeah. Ugh. Like, my niece is eight. Or no, she's nine now. But, like, still, like, baby. Yeah. Ugh. Just 16 days later, Frida Longer, 53 vanished while returning to her family's camp after an accidental dip in the stream. She told her cousin, Herbert Elsner, that if he would wait, she would go back to the campsite, change clothes, and catch up with him. After some time, he returned to their camp himself in search of her, only to discover that she had never returned. Ooh. And they were only like a quarter of a mile away. Yeah. Over the next two weeks... Five searches were conducted, involving aircraft, helicopters, and up to 300 searchers. No trace of Langer was found during the search. On May 12, 1951, seven months later, her body was found three and a half miles from the camp at the Somerset Reservoir in the east branch of the Deerfield River, an area that had been extensively searched in the months since her disappearance. That's so scary. I do not like that. Because that means that she got put there. Yep. Yep. And because it was seven months later, no cause of death could be determined due to the condition of her remains. Because it was May. So she... had. Her remains were decomposing, yes. Ugh. Some sources mention that there have also been reports of three Massachusetts hunters visiting in the Glastonbury area in 1949. Uh, Hello. A special guest. A penny. Are you visiting? A penny. Hello. Baby. Hi, babe. Do you have anything to say to the people? That no, is my that's tea. tea. Thank no, you. No, no. She legitimately just, like, drank your tea. Like, tongue I mean, in. she tried. Oh, we've got a toy. You want to go bring that back upstairs to Daddy? Where's Daddy? He's whispering her name. <laughs> <laughs> She's already on the pod. Yep. 
That's okay. Thanks, love. But he can't be on the pod. Okay. Okay, that's fine. I was saying that part weird anyway. It's all right. We can... Welcome to the pod, Penny. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Some sources mention that there have also been reports of three Massachusetts hunters vanishing in the Glastonbury area in 1949, and a report that a 13-year-old named Melvin Hills disappeared in Bennington in 1942, mm-hmm. but we don't have a lot of information, so I, they don't really get included in the, Bennington in the like, five, the yeah. big five disappearances. It's so sad, though, 13. It's so sad. And now the next section I've titled... Historically bad vibes. (laughs) Yeah, historically bad vibes. I really like that. Though this string of five disappearances is Bennington's most infamous historical marker, it is not the only odd occurrence in the region. According to Joseph Citreau, remember him? Mm -hmm. Glastonbury. 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 Has been a place surrounded by a mysterious aura since its founding in 1761 by Benning, by Benning Wentworth. Oh, that is not what I thought it was going to be. I really like that. The colonial era governor of New Hampshire. New Hampshire? Yeah. I guess it was. I mean, Vermont and New Hampshire are like, like I guess it was right New Hampshire before it was Vermont. I would always mix them up on the geography test. Oh, that's fair. I mean, they're, they're literally just, right next to each they're other. They're the same shape, but like flipped. They're like salt and pepper shakers. Yeah. Like the ones that fit together. Yeah. Very true. I have a quote. Where is it from? Oh, okay. He, okay. I see what I did here. Quote, since pre-colonial times, there have been strange tales of mysterious lights, untraceable sounds, and unidentifiable odors. Citro wrote in his 1996 book, Passing Strange, True Tales of New England Hauntings and Horrors. Hi, I, anybody who wants to get that for me, please and thank you. I was going to be like, birthday present. Birthday present. <laughs> All right, Toby, who's getting it? You or me? <laughs> right? <laughs> Indigenous tribes avoided the region, opting instead to use it as a burial ground rather than as a dwelling area. That's fascinating. That means they knew. They believed it was cursed because the four winds met there. The Abenaki tribe, part of the Algonquin nation, passed down stories of, quote, an enchanted stone that was used to swallow men, according to an article by Davy Russell in X Project Paranormal magazine. A stone that swallows you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. The Abenaki also told stories of large half-man, half-animal creatures who lived throughout the region and threatened its inhabitants. In 1897, John Harbor, Harbor Road, maybe? Oh. Uh, In 1897, John Harbor was shot to death by an unknown person, despite being in possession of a loaded gun. When discovered by his hunting party, his body was a distance away from where he was shot. Ooh. They knew that John had to have been moved. But by what? Did he crawl there after being shot? 
Did he receive human help, possibly by the shooter? There were no signs of him having walked or crawled to his final resting place. No clues at all. Oof, the mystery remains unsolved to this day. Local lore has it that John Harbour was murdered near Bickford Hollow, near the same place where Middy Rivers would disappear in 1945. I don't like this. I don't like it. I don't like it. Like, I want to know, and maybe you don't know this, you might bring it up later, but like, ley lines? Are they like snaking underneath? Ah. That's not in the theory list. Okay, because, like, if there are very specific spots, too, maybe it's, like, a convergence of energies kind of situation, which is why, like, the Four Winds thing was a, a, a belief of the tribe. So, like, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta talk about ley lines, you guys. This is, like, the second time in, like, three days that I've talked about ley lines. <laughs> I was talking to Toby about it, too. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. Also, I'm, like, knocking some things off of this uh, bingo list, but I still have not yet gotten bingo. Just wait. I'm very excited because I know I know that there's a theory in here that I'm, like, waiting to knock off one of these. <laughs> <laughs> By 1898, Glastonbury was essentially gutted by a massive flood, which heavily damaged the town's greatest resort and largely destroyed the railroad tracks. Aww. The railroad tracks. The railroad tracks. I think it's because I've been talking in penny voice so much. Oh, well, well, tracks. My diction is deceased. <laughs> to sit in solemn silence on a, a dull, dull, dark dock. Or in a pestilential prison with a lifelong lock. Every time that he would make us do it, I would always, like, kind of slur it because I oh, thought it sounded funny. That Oh, I thought you were like, I would slur it because I wasn't good at it. Because that's what I would do with, um... Heather, do you remember her yes. warm-up, the big black bear bite, yeah. whatever, big black bugs? When it got fast, I would just be like, ma, 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 <laughs> 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 Like, because I refused. Like, I was like, I need to warm up my voice, but I hate this. I hate it. Also, the, um, the copper coffee pot, bright copper kettle coffee pot i don't think i've ever known that one i I think she did it i i hate it we always did the black socks black socks they never get dirty the longer you wear them the blacker they get someday you'll probably launder them something selling me don't do it yet not yet not yet not yet black socks you never no yeah we always did that um that and uh the warm-up that we did for Bush was uh, the alphabet, but you had to do it, like, super fast and then, like, backwards. Mm-mm. It was very difficult. I learned it. I finally learned it by, like, my last week <laughs> of work. <laughs> but, like... No. Well, because I, I think my struggle... Hi, welcome to music warm-up talk. Um, I think my thing with those is that... One, right, I'm a perfectionist, so I don't like them because I'm not good at them. And yes, I recognize that if you do them more, you'll get better, but I just hate them. No, I get So that. I don't like to. But then even when you get it right, it's not that special. Like, I don't mind being bad at a warm-up 
if by the time you get it right, it's really good. Like when Markovitz would have us do the like the, <gasps> In the round. one, one, two, yeah. one, one, two, three, two, one, and like when everyone could do it and you could do it in the round, it sounded really cool. So there was a payoff. I yeah. mean, other than like warming up your voice, but I'm like, no, no, I need an aesthetic payoff. Thank like you. the flower one that she had us do. Oh, in I rounds. love that one. That one's so pretty. Yeah, big so fan. Like, uh, I get that. Yeah. I was going to be like, everybody wear a mask so we could do theater again. And I'm like, everybody that listens to this podcast that knows us in real life, I'm not worried about you. So <laughs> don't worry about it. If you don't know us in real life and you don't wear a mask, what are you doing? Silly goose. Just do it for your neighbors. It's not about you. Do it for the babies. Do it for the babes. All right. Uh, yes. Yeah, so there was a giant flood. Womp womp. Womp womp. Spooky womp, time womp. sadness. Spooky time sadness. The uh, <laughs> I've got the, that spooky time, spooky time sadness. The, the uh, Lana Del Rey October version. <laughs> anyway, now that I've got these microphones, I'm totally going to do that. <laughs> going Please. to, I'm gonna write that Record for you. Recorded EP. Yeah. DB and the Coupettes are waiting for their next album. <laughs> spooky time sadness. Apparently, when you walk into the woodlands of Glastonbury Mountain. You don't hear anything alive. Uh. It's as though even the animals don't care to venture there. That's terrifying because if you can't hear birds or if birds suddenly go silent, that means that there's either a predator present or you're like... You're done. Yeah, there, you're, you're just dead. You're you're just walking into death. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrifying. Zach Bagans would be like, great, more for my voice to echo. <laughs> echo, echo. Oh, so pretty. All right. So now we have some theories <laughs> first up the boring one uh natural causes Which like is so sad you know exposure or injury um the explanation could be as simple and natural as weather patterns experts state that the changeable wind patterns in the region could easily lead to disorientation in even the most experienced hikers to like midi yeah yeah that's very true terrifying Another potential option would be sinkholes. Yeah! <laughs> like what I said. <laughs> I'm so smart. <laughs> and or unmarked mining shafts. Oh. Because while it was logging that was the primary thing, I feel like everybody's got a mine back in the uh, day. Yeah. You and they didn't label them. Well, and you you got to try and dig and see what, what's under there. There could right? be gold. There could be. You don't know. Some believe that the victims met their demise at the claws of an indigenous mountain cat, such as a lynx, bobcat, or catamount. However, bobcat and lynx are not known to be aggressive to humans, and the catamount has not been credibly sighted since before 1940 and has been declared extinct. Interesting. Also, lynx and bobcats, while they are, you know bigger than house cats by a lot they're basically the size of penny or like you know a normal sized dog that's not necessarily a large cat yeah so like they could potentially hurt you but you also could hurt them very well like whereas like a mountain lion i'd be like oh yeah you're done for you're, you're done also as we've discussed at several points several of the missing were known to be experienced mountain hikers and adventurists i don't think i mentioned this about um the last woman that disappeared, Frida Langer. She was also an experienced hiker. Yeah, and I mean, they were camping there too, so, yeah. like. And, you know, obviously the worst can befall even the experienced people. Believe me, I know. I read a lot of Mount Everest books. 
Well, I mean, people like uh, Sandy Irvin and and George Ma- George Mallory. George Mallory. <laughs> but it it's it seems odd to assume that they could they the experienced people would like wander off into trouble. Like yeah, they kind of know what to avoid. Especially like Mitty Rivers was there as a guide. Like he was serving other people, so he wouldn't he wouldn't wander off. Yeah, there would be no reason. He's responsible for others. And then, as we sort of mentioned, kidnapping could be a potential, at least for, I mean, if we're looking statistically for the eight-year-old Paul and then the eighteen-year-old yeah. Paula Jean, um, <laughs> Paul, Paul and Paul, and they're bo- they were both wearing red. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ugh. But we don't. Really, there's no evidence, but yeah. we should consider it. Serial killers have been presented, but it's more unlikely given that it's such a varied profile of the victims. Yeah. You know, we have three older people, one teenager, one child, um, three men, two women. And serial killers tend to stay in their lane when it comes to... Exactly. There's only, like, one serial killer that was like, ah, everybody's fair game. Anybody. So... Well, and also there there tends to be... From the school, the BA, BAU School of Criminal Minds, there's there's a <laughs> there's an escalation period usually, right? And then like a, a it gets more frenzied. But yeah. these were all pretty fairly spaced out, except yeah. with the exception of the last two, which were sixteen days apart. Yeah. So this seems a little unlikely. Yeah. Or rather, quite unlikely. And now the moment you've all been waiting for: UFOs. <laughs> Many reports of UFO sightings and strange lights in the sky have been spotted over Glastonbury Wilderness over the last century. Most notably, a flying silo-shaped anomaly was seen over the skies of Bennington by Don Pratt in 1984, which seems to be the go-to example for extraterrestrial sightings in the area. Mm Hmm. And that's all I have about UFOs. That's but fine. Maybe but they, I mean, like, maybe the, posi- they got abducted. the possibility of being abducted. But, like, then then I'm thinking, like, how would they then be abducted? Because we always hear of, like, abductions being, like, almost like these to-dos of everybody saw it happen or, like, only one person felt it happen. But it was, like, there were lights and there were, it was zoo, 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 like, all that kind of thing. Maybe they were really low-key. I guess. But, like... They, then, were, they were Swedish Ikea aliens. <laughs> they were very minimalistic. Very minimalistic. They just kind of like locked you into a spot. Or they like were like, oh. I wonder if it's like a portal. Like Doctor Strange. Yeah. Like they opened a thing and then just like, like pulled you in, you in and then like closed it. That was what, that was literally what I was just about to say. Same wavelength. <laughs> did you like my, did you like my sound effect? Because <laughs> I couldn't think of words. <laughs> Yeah, it happens quite a lot. Yeah, that's the only way I can communicate. Toby is very good at interpreting them. And now I have a little quote for you from a site called Historical Mysteries, which is really clever in its branding because it looks like it's the History Channel, but it's not. It's not. Yeah, no, I've been on that too. Yeah, I definitely, like, I wrote in history, and then when I was putting it in the sources, I was like, oh, this isn't the History Channel. No, but they, like, you know how the the giant H thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they also do the thing that History Channel does where you can't save photos off of their... It's, like, web page photos. Yeah, you have to, like, take a screenshot if you do that, but I credit them, so it's fine. Yeah. I'm not making money. Nope. Okay. Quote. In 1943, Carl Herrick was enjoying a hunting trip with his cousin Henry, 10 miles northeast of Glastonbury Town. The two became separated, 
and Carl never returned. Henry found Carl's body three days later in a bizarre scene. Mm-hmm. Carl's ribs had punctured his lungs. Whoa. And the post-mortem indicated that something had squeezed him to death. <gasps> Henry reported that there were large bear tracks around the corpse. However, experts say a bear would not have squeezed a man to death. No. No. Unquote. Um. For over two <laughs> centuries, the Bennington region has been home to reports of an extremely large and hairy man or beast that terrorizes passers through. Is it my friend? I have another quote from Historic Mysteries. One story indicates that the driver of a stagecoach and its passengers reported a sighting of the hairy beast in the early 1800s. A sudden downpour caused them to pull the coach over as the road had washed out. While they waited for the rain to stop, the driver noticed enormous footprints in the mud. He went to ask one of the passengers what he thought. And now we're switching to a quote from Obscure Vermont. As the passengers began to step out, something dealt a savage blow to the side of the carriage. Now, all the passengers scrambled out of the carriage, completely terrified. The blows kept coming until the whole thing tumbled over on its side. The quivering passengers and driver huddled together in the dark, the rain stinging their faces. Then the creature came into view. Though it was almost impossible to see, two large eyes could be made out staring at them. A vague detail described the brazen creature as roughly eight feet tall and hairy. After terrorizing the travelers, the beast ran back into the woods. This mysterious beast, Emma, could be a cousin of Bigfoot yeah! that has been rightfully dubbed the Bennington Monster. I love it. Also, bingo. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Also, Shelby, Tom, this is as close as I could get for right now. <laughs> for spooky? To, to Bigfoot. Yeah. Because Tom yells at us on Marco Polo. Yeah. I say we're working on it. I'm not working on it. So maybe Emma is. Emma's working on it. I already, I raised my hand. Great. <laughs> it was going to be my first episode and then I got overwhelmed. <laughs> it's fair. I thought about doing it for this one, but I, I, I do better when things have a timeline. Yeah. That's why I got overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah. So the Benning, the Bennington monster. Monster. In related news, some believe that another eerie being or perhaps they are one and the same, is to blame for the disappearances. In 1892, the wild man enters local lore. Supposedly, a man working at the sawmill in Glastonbury hit another man over the head with a rock and killed him. Uh-oh. He was captured by police, which I'm like, police didn't exist, but you had a sheriff, so okay. This is, you know, an yeah. urban legend. Yeah, they yeah. don't fact yeah, check. Yeah. They don't, know. He was captured by county sheriffs or somebody, but was able to escape imprisonment in the insane asylum and ran into the wilds of the mountain region. Oy. Some stories say he would, at times, travel down from the wilderness and expose himself to the women in Bennington and Glastonbury <laughs> towns. 
just like the image of him running down a hill and then running back up he's just covered in dirt oh god so you wouldn't be able to see anything it'd be fine you don't know okay but some people say that that he became the bennington monster mm. but the timeline doesn't really work but like no, don't but squint don't look too hard okay just squint it's fine all right next up in our theories mm. somebody called dr strange because what if it's the multiverse <gasps> Ooh, and they're just oh okay go ahead you're gonna like this i'm very excited john a keel author of the mothman prophecies yes proposed a theory in places like the bennington triangle the boundary between our universe or dimension and others is unusually thin, leading to a disproportionately high number of reported paranormal phenomena. According to Keel, in these places, which he referred to as window areas, physical reality is less concrete. I really like this. And then related time slips question mark yes do you, i keep sending you those TikToks. yeah you sent that to me and i was very proud of myself because i put that in my little timeline when i started my research last night but it wasn't until today this morning when i read that thing from the mothman prophecy guy yeah so i was like wait oh my gosh i thought i had just been like this isn't related or substantiated at all but what if this was a thing but like just it, yeah right like paula jean just like walked into like 1787 and when the couple came around the corner they were still in 1946 like yeah some outlander business or exactly whatever. or like or it's the doctor from doctor who yeah that too he's just that like come on get in the tardis and she's like who are you who are you where are we going whatever but yeah no i really i really like the idea of time slips although i think a property of time slips is that you come back oh so I mean, but time travel is always an option. Yeah. All right. And then here are just some other, like, spooky things that I feel like we should we should talk about. Not really a theory, just, like, stuff. Spooky time set? Absolutely not. <laughs> it's the back door. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, other spooky stuff. <laughs> it has been said the town's... Oh, my gosh. Penny, why? <laughs> Go with daddy. Sorry. It's okay. The Bennington monster. Yeah. It's the Bennington monster. <laughs> just like hike up. Yeah. <laughs> Other spooky stuff. Woo. Take three. <laughs> spooky, spooky, spooky. It has been said that the town's graveyards glow at night. Whoa. What? That's all they said. They didn't oh say gosh. anything else. Is it like... Some... Also, it's just one graveyard because it's a really small town. <laughs> that, that's totally fair. But I'm now I'm like, ooh. And now I, I want to go and investigate, basically, of like, I want to go see fun. it. I'm not going. I know. At night? That's okay. Toby will come with me. No. I feel like Watch is just like bioluminescent, like say bacteria or something. Something like that. But that's what I would love to go and like figure out. I'm sure somebody kind of has, or they're just like... Eh, but close. It's fine. It's fine. Some kind of stone that they use. Well, apparently, eight people still live in in eight Glastonbury or like Bennington, one of the small towns that's like not a town anymore. Eight people live there. Eight? Uh huh. Oh my gosh. 
are they all like 85? I don't, they did, I mean, they didn't specify, I'm sure. There was a property that had a Zillow listing. <gasps> I forgot to include it. Oh my gosh. But you it's need to linked find, in one of the sources. I was going to say, you Go need to find it again. Yeah. But it was really funny because it was like, <laughs> Zillow was like, we don't have enough information to offer an estimate of what this property is. Because nothing else, be. nothing else it's is sold like, around there nothing. to give it a... <laughs> I really love it's that, like, though. I don't know. Is it a normal-looking house? Did you look at it? There's only two pictures. Oh. Of, like, the outside. It, but it's a two-bedroom, be- two two-bath. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and it's no longer on the market. Oh, so um, someone bought it. Someone bought it. Uh, right. Okay, but also, things we've alluded to, but I needed to, like, state them really clearly. Totally fair. Spooky. All the disappearances took place in the final three months of the year. Yes. And all of the final sightings allegedly occurred in the window of 3 to 4 p.m. Whoa. I have no explanations. I just felt like we needed to mention that. But that, that, again, feels like a time-slippy, time-travel thing. Yeah. The window Uh, only opens in the winter. Yeah, exactly. The late fall, early winter. You have to be on a specific, like, route and also by yourself in some capacity. But then it makes me think the guy who got shot... Could have potentially gone through the time slip. Somebody shot him Maybe and then like pushed him back out back through, through it. it. <gasps> You're not gonna understand this, but it's very Loki. The television. I think show. I kind of like I. I the generally vibes. understand it. Yeah, but like, ah, that's what it makes me. Th- and same thing for uh, Frida. Finding her like they had extensively searched that area and then mm-hmm. finding her in that space like she could have been decomposing in a different time frame and then because it became like May or June whenever they found her that was when the time slip like ceased and someone was just like whoosh yeah oh oh uh pop culture time eee! in addition to Shirley Jackson drawing inspiration from Paula Jean Weldon's case. The mysterious disappearances within the Bennington Triangle have drawn attention in several pop culture in, in instances. Instances. I'm not doing that I'm again. I'm country. <laughs> Here's a roundup from the mother source. Wikipedia. Not a sponsor, but they can't. They need they can't. money. They need money. <laughs> go give your go give a dollar give to, $2 to, Wikipedia. to Wikipedia. Without them, this podcast would not be possible. <laughs> this podcast would not exist. Would not exist. <laughs> or it would just be a lot more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. The Bennington Triangle was discussed in season three, episode eight of the television program William Shatner's Weird or What? I completely forgot about this TV show, but we used to watch it. <laughs> The episode, titled Mysterious Vanishings, first aired on July 23rd, 2012. The events of 1945 to 1950 are told in episode 67 of the podcast, Lore, titled The Redcoats. Ooh, ooh, good name. Oh my gosh, this isn't in my pop culture roundup, but there is a podcast. Mm-hmm. Not to plug another podcast on our podcast. But hey, but we support all other fine. pod people because they do a pod heck of a people. lot. <laughs> we understand what it takes. There is one called Mountain Mysteries. Oh no, Shannon. It's oh, just no. about the Appalachian 
area, though. But it's still interesting. Still fascinating, they had yeah. two different episodes about two different carnival serial killers. <gasps> I downloaded them. You have to send those to me. I will try when Thank I eventually you. listen to it. Thank you. But I likewise got very excited and then like kind of disappointed but like still excited there's a lot of weird stuff in appalachia oh but so i was really much. hoping it was gonna the be like people mountain mysteries maybe you can you can write in and be like hey could you do like a special episode could you do like a spin-off series about the himalaya just just like a quick little like just like mini- a spin-off series bro 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 could you bro cheerio um, my dad Hey, Emma, how do you spell Cheerio? Shush, shush, shush. <laughs> it's literally a cereal. <laughs> you guys, I don't know if you noticed, but when I posted that episode where uh, we were talking about Mr. Boynton, um, <laughs> I misspelled the word Cheerio. And I don't know why. My brain, literally, truly, when I was spelling it, was like, is it two E's or two R's? I think it's two R's. I'm like that you with guys. vacuum. I'm like two C's, two U's. Fuck whom? <laughs> Fuck whom? <laughs> it sounded like you said something else. <laughs> vacuum. Uh. Okay. The Bennington Triangle was featured as one of the haunted locations in the paranormal TV series Most Terrifying Places in America. <laughs> Which aired on the Travel Channel in 2018. I really love that the Travel Channel has basically branded themselves as, like, we're the ghost channel. Yeah. So that was pop culture. And then I've got a bit of wrap-up for you. Whoop, whoop. To this day, the Bennington Triangle remains a place of murky confusion and questionable safety. Imagine if we did the whole podcast like that. Just really close to the microphone. Well, no, like, breathy. What is it? Um, NPR voice. No, not NPR voice. Oh, I made the mistake. I'm sorry. This is mine, not for you. This is my glove. Look, it's gone. Piggy couch. Um, no. Uh, what is it called? Case file? Maybe it's like one. Yeah. Australian guy yeah. that hosts it. Shout out to the Crypt King. Yes. Um, he told me to listen to it. Somehow we started talking about cults. This is right after your wedding. We started talking about I mean, uh, Jonestown. That makes so much sense. And he sense was like, to listen me. to this one guy. And I was like, I'm used to like my favorite murder, like, not like happy, mur- like, sa- yeah, like yeah, happy yeah. true crime podcast, but like people being like, oh God, that freaked me out. But like, he is just like, yeah. I'm serious There's the a- whole time. It's very more like um, investigative yeah. journalism. So and a bit we're like just serial. like, beep, boop, beep, boop. Yeah. <laughs> I like that description of us. Um, no, the, there is an actual, like, podcast named Colts, mm-hmm. and I tried my best to listen to it, and it's two people, and they're very, like, their research is incredible, but listening to them talk about it, it just, it put me to sleep. Oh, yeah. So. That's fair. It was just hard. I need, I need to feel, when I'm listening to- You need to, anxiety jokes? Yeah. And people crying? Yeah. Sorry, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's Okay. If my tears can cause our listeners some emotional release, too, that's okay. Yeah. All right, but here we go. We're back. We're back. We're back, baby. As recently as 2008, Bennington College music professor Robert Singley, which, like, LOL, haha, <laughs> Singley. That's good. That's good. Um, found himself inexplicably lost in the area after a routine hike. His whole account can be found in the show notes in the Bennington Banner, But here are a few spooky highlights. (gasps) Spooky. Quote, 
right before I lost the trail, everything like crescendoed into this weird sort of dizzying confusion. It just suddenly got dark and then it was like, where am I? What's going on? I was totally lost. That's terrifying. Also, the fact that he's like, he's like a music professor and he uses crescendo as like... <laughs> he was literally like in the woods to work on some compositions. Are you kidding me? Are you joking? <laughs> literally that dog from TikTok. <laughs> Are you done? Penny. Wow. Once it was light enough, Singley, disoriented from the previous night, attempted to walk back toward his car because he, like, hunkered down in, like, a oh, tree. yeah. Apparently the tree, like, called to him in the middle of the night. Oh, terrifying. You can check out the full account. So he's trying to get back to his car. After three or four miles, he reached a wilderness sign. He was near the Goddard Shelter, almost at the peak of Glastonbury Mountain. Quote, I thought I was camped about a quarter mile from my car, he said, and instead I woke up totally on the other end of this ridge, literally six or seven miles away from where I thought I was. That's so scary. It didn't make any logical sense at all. I do not like that. So you can read that full account in the Bennington Banner. I'm very excited. I am actually going to read that. Support your local news. In 2018, a plane piloted by Ramsey Sampson Ani... 31 of Manchester, Connecticut, Manchester, 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 Connecticut, went down without explanation inside the triangle. Ooh. The crash occurred at approximately no. 3.30 p.m. I don't like this. It was in like May, though. That, I mean, but still, we know that, I mean, the potential portal is open at that time because Frida ended up there in May. That's true. Uh, Authorities stated that weather did not seem to be a factor. No technical malfunctions were discovered either. Oh, I do not like it. So we really don't know. And he'd had like six years of flying experience. He was the only one in the plane. Ugh. So. I don't like that. You're really killing my vibe, dude. You really are. I'm really glad I got the really spooky part done earlier. All right, and then even Ricky Harrington, the town's supervisor, is recorded as stating, quote, I'm not going to spend a night up there. I'm not that brave a soul. Ooh, see, I mean, like, at least some people know their limits because there's always going to be that one person who's like, yeah, I can take it. Yeah, I can do it. It's fine. Like, our boy Boynton would have definitely been on top of that mountain. I I got it faster than anyone else. You can't prove that, but it doesn't matter. I did it. I did it in a paper suit. Yeah, he and this guy, like the town supervisor, he in the, earlier in the article that that quote is from, is like, um, saying that yeah, a lot of it's exaggerated. I think people are making stuff up. But then he's also like, but I'm not gonna risk it. Ain't gonna test it. Like the Ain't whole like gonna risk it for the biscuit. Like with uh, Robert the doll being like, yeah, I might not believe in it, but I ain't gonna touch it. Like I'm not gonna, no. I'm not gonna poke that bear. No, no, no. And that concludes our episode. This section of the episode, huh? About the Bennington Triangle. 
If you have thoughts, feelings, or opinions about the episode, you can write in to us and be featured in our new segment. So welcome to our newly instated mailbag section of the podcast because we, you know, we love hearing from you and we didn't want you to have to wait until we We magically (laughs) had more time to record on a school night. So we're going to start including at least one email at the end of every episode. Uh, So it'll be a little blast from the past in some cases or just fun spooky maybe terrifying stories from our listeners so yeah let us know please write in uh if you do write in please let us know if you want to hear it on the podcast and your pronouns please yes please include your pronouns because we want to make sure that we get them right yeah but um so here's our mailbag moment (gasps) i love that a mailbag moment a mailbag moment So this one is from our Haley. Ah, Haley. Um, the subject line is summer camp ghost or fae child. You decide. Oh, boy. <laughs> also, just to remind everyone, we have not read these. We don't no. preview these. We just tag them in the inbox. So this will be a surprise. It'll also be a surprise of whether or not I can pronounce anything. Although it looks like Haley was really nice to me and actually included pronunciation. Phonetics. (laughs) Phonetic of pronunciation. It's like they know us. All right. So this is from Haley. Oh my goodness. Fool that I am. In my last email, I forgot to tell you about Hagen. Pronounced Hagen. (laughs) Let me lay the groundwork. So when we were eight, my twin brother and I went went away to our first ever sleepaway camp for a week. This camp was named Ravencliff. Ooh, that is wow. like... The- Sounds like a dark <laughs> academia boarding school. Right? No wonder that you're some sort of superhero psychic medium. Right? Like, you got... Are you an X person? <gasps> an X-Men? You're an X-Men. <laughs> I like it. Um, And was through the YMCA. So apparently YMCA is naming their like camps really well. Yo, okay. Yeah. It was named Ravencliff because it had a cliff on its property. That's it? (laughs) There has to be another reason. (laughs) Well, they're like, well, we just can't call it Cliff Camp. That'll confuse the (laughs) rock climbers. We'd call it Ravencliff. And it'll scare scare the parents. (laughs) Cliff Camp. Cliff Camp. Sponsored by... (laughs) YMCA. (laughs) No, brought to you by Cliff Bars. All right. Oh, goodness. Sorry, Haley. Um, One of the camp activities was to hike to this cliff and just yell. That sounds great. There was absolutely zero protective barriers at the cliff's edge, too. And it was rumored that over the course of many years, several kids had fallen off the side of the cliff. Wow. This is not okay. Uh Uh-oh. There was also a river on the camp property with an incredibly strong current. One of the rules at this camp was that children didn't have to change their clothes every day. Why? Why was that? In th- First of all, that was a surprise Maybe sentence. Maybe it was like camping, camping. Like really, Ugh. you are out there. I never went to a camp like that. Me neither. I'm an indoor cat. You went to diabetes camp. And performing arts camp. You did? 
Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. For one summer. Oh. I was in a production of Our Town. Oh, that's right. I had an invisible kitchen. You told me this. I do yeah. remember this. I never went to camp. Ever. Like any kind of sleepaway camp, uh, camp of any kind. Children are not children, bathing. They're not bathing and they're not changing clothes. Smelly. Smelly I children. It. Got it. Smelly, smelly children. Those camp counselors were not getting paid enough. No. We're back to Haley. Sorry. So this leads me to Hagen. I think he was in my brother's cabin, though I don't remember seeing Hagen at any of the camp activities unless they were happening at the river. Boy looked like he was straight from World War II and had a British accent. What? (laughs) I am so excited. He had hay blonde hair cut in a choppy bowl cut. He wore cream colored shorts, a cream colored short sleeved button up shirt, knee high cream colored socks and a cream and tan sweater vest over. This is like the what whitest a, of white boys. What an icon, though. Or like, all khaki? Like No, not khaki. Like Cream? Yeah, just like very like put together prep preppiness. It, yeah, it makes me think Give of... Give him a tennis racket. Yes! Badminton. Or like badminton. Yeah. Badminton racket. Yeah, absolutely. Like um, 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 Mia Thermopolis' <gasps> fiancé yes! in The Princess Diaries 2 Royal Engagement. The best movie. He had a little hat movie. on, too. Yes. The best movie. Yeah. I love that movie. Um, He also wore very vintage-looking kind of leather shoes. He wore this every single day. Despite wearing it every day, his clothes never got dirty. He would constantly be digging in the mud by the river to create a small pool for tadpoles he had found, but you wouldn't have been able to tell by how clean he was. At some point in the middle of the week, Hagen just disappeared. No one knew where he was, but the counselors didn't seem concerned that he was missing. On the last day of camp, he returned and acted as if he were never gone. On the last day of camp before loading up the buses, all the campers and staff would take a group photo and copy would be and a copy would be mailed to you. We got ours and we excitedly pointed out friends we had made. Hagen was nowhere to be found in the picture, even though he was sat near my brother when the picture was taken. We didn't return to the camp the following year because the camp was absolutely terrible. Honestly, I could talk for days about how much I hated this <laughs> camp. So we never got to see Hagen again. No sign off. <laughs> that was it. That's the end of the that's the end of the email. Wow. So definitely a ghost. Also, but this does not surprise me because Haley, you are just a conduit okay, for all kinds of spirits. Wait, I have follow-up questions, which is hilarious because even if you do respond, it won't get played until 10 episodes from now. Right, because this um, is from April. Uh, wow. Of last year. Yeah, yeah, our last mailbag was while you were at Bush. Time flies, <laughs> my dude. Um, That's so long ago. Okay, but so Haley... Just message in the group chat, okay? Uh, so your brother also could see, that did seems anyone, to be the did case. anyone else see that Hayden Hagen 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 Hagen? How did you know his name? I mean, yeah, because like he, he like talked to you, right? Like, I, he interacted must have. like a normal. Or did it like just enter your brain that that was his name? I don't know, but here's the thing: because I'm like, okay, if you're if Haley's twin also has psychic powers, checks out. That makes sense. They're your twins, but also, but like, did any of the other? Was it just kids that could talk to him or see him? Did the counselors also see him, or were they like, oh, that's nice, kids, that you have like an imaginary friend? Or maybe they were so used to it because if they're counselors, they might have been coming back every year and known that this was a ghost. And they're just like in training for these like 15-year-olds. They're like, okay, so don't talk to the children about the ghosts. Don't You don't have to make them shower, but don't make them go in the river. You don't have to make them shower, but... If they go in the river, we will get sued. 
and this establishment cannot take another case, okay? <laughs> you guys, all right. We literally are Bright named smiles. after a cliff that kids have fallen off of. All right, big smiles. Wear your sunblock. Let's have a good summer, okay? Every camp has like camp a song. camp song. <laughs> I'm picturing Mamrie Hart. <laughs> yes! From Camp Dakota. Uh, man, now I want to go watch that movie. Oh, it's well, such a good thank movie. thank you for writing in, Haley. Um, please follow up. Please. Just let us, we have just questions. Let us we have so if many questions. If you have spooky stories like Haley's, please submit them to us. Or if you have questions, comments, suggestions, concerns about the content of this podcast, mm-hmm. message it. Email it. You can find that on our website, thispodcastdoesnexist.com. Dot com. And remember, this podcast doesn't exist. I almost did it again. I saw you almost did it. And I was like, is it happening? (laughs) All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. Why'd you say it like that? Mom, you. Like a creepy child. Because I am a creepy child. Ugh.